You're listening to the Application Insider Podcast. Welcome dietetic students. Here you will find all sorts of tips and guidance to help you navigate the dietetic internship application experience. I am your dietetic internship application guide, sharing insights to bridge the unnecessary gaps in this crucial step in your dietetics career. Together, we can get you all the information you need to create an application that will stand out in all the right ways. Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of the Application Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Vance, the founder, CEO, and dietetic internship application guide here at Application Insider. Before we get started, I have a quick announcement. I would love to have you on the podcast. Whether you are a dietetic student just getting started on your application, in the middle of working through DICUS, still celebrating your recent match, or loving your rotations as a dietetic intern, I know that your story could help someone else going through the same thing. Last week, I opened up a podcast guest application to those on my email list, and I have already had such a great response. I'll be adding those interviews to the lineup very soon. So if you want to be on the podcast too, just go to applicationinsider.co slash podcast guest, or just follow the link in the show notes, fill out the form, and I'll be in touch. I know there are people who would love to hear about your story and that it will help them move forward with confidence. All right, on to today's episode. Getting answers to your questions as you are working on your DICUS application is so important. I want you to have the information you need for whatever section of the application you are working on. I want you to feel comfortable asking questions because you know how important it is to understand what you're working on and what directors will see when they look at your application. I want you to know that I know that when you haven't done something before, like if it's your first time working on a dietetic internship application, there's no way you can know everything about it. And even if it isn't your first time going through the match, it's okay if you're looking for guidance. This is exactly why Application Insider exists. One of the ways to get your questions answered is with a free 20-minute brainstorm call. And when I say free, I mean legit free, as in zero dollars. We can chat about anything you need. And to be quite honest, I think you'll be surprised at what we can cover in this short time. On your call, I'll answer your questions, then let you know what Application Insider has that might be a good fit for you. Don't worry, there's no pressure or expectation for you to spend a single dime. Yeah, I will let you know what's available through Application Insider, but then you get to decide if a purchase feels right and when, if it does feel right in the end, or if it's not for you at all. Either way, you'll get useful information and answers you can use in your brainstorm call. So today I want to give you a little sampling of what a brainstorm call is like. I'm going to share some of the answers I gave to five different people on five different brainstorm calls. These are answers I gave in response to their specific questions based on what I knew about their specific situations. Every student is different and even if some of the information you're all working on is the same, everyone might have a different approach and need information that is specific to them. So all of these questions and responses came up during these students' 20-minute brainstorm calls. So let's listen to all the different things a brainstorm call can cover. 
This first student had some questions about her GPA and whether or not it could hurt her chances of getting into the programs she was interested in applying to. This is a common concern for sure. There are some important questions you can ask programs to be better informed about what they will be looking for when they see your application. She also asked about how competitive programs could be. So let's hear the answer that she got. But if you are worried, like, is this GPA going to be something that will might become an obstacle that I need to figure out how to overcome, go ahead and ask them that. There are some programs that are like, we, you know, if you have more work experience, we weigh that in with the GPA, you know, because that might make sense. Um, make sure you know if they do have any minimum GPA cutoffs. Um, I don't think there's any, like a 3.4, I don't think is going to be super close to any cutoffs. I think okay. the cutoffs are more like a 3.0. If they're like the program I worked for, if you didn't have a 3.0 DPD GPA, your application just stopped there. Yeah. Um, so that might be just a question to ask just to make sure, look at their website first. Um, but then you can open up that conversation. I'm wondering if you can tell me about your GPA spectrum. Um, and when, when we're done with this call, I'm going to send you a summary and I'll send you some links um, that I've got. I've got a few things about, you don't just want to ask a program what their average GPA is. There's some other information that will be useful for you. So I'll send you that info so you can kind of work that into your conversation. Another question to ask would be how many spots do you have? How many applications do you get? Because yeah. then you'll find out you have 50 spots, you get 100 applications. So it's about a 50% match rate or you have 12 spots and you get 150 applications. Okay, that alone means that program is a lot more competitive. So just getting that information beforehand will be really useful for you. In this answer, I mentioned a few resources I thought would be good for this student and I provided links for them when I sent her brainstorm call summary back to her. I've also included those links in the show notes for this episode. There is a link to a blog post about how to evaluate a program's GPA and some other information you can ask for when you talk to directors. There's also a link to a podcast episode about number of programs versus number of spots, which is a common question that students have. But this podcast episode tells you how you can use this information to find out how competitive a program is. So if any of this is similar to a question that you have, check out those links for some useful information. The next question is from a student who has the NDTR credential, which I know a lot of students have going into their application experience. This student in particular was wondering how to account for it because she actually had not been in any positions specifically because of this credential. She had not used it for paid positions or any volunteer positions but there are still ways to add it to your application and get the credit that you've been working for to get that credential. Plus, having that credential can potentially boost your application when programs look through it. So let's hear how it can be done. Yes, so that is a credential. Definitely put it on your resume. In Dicus, there is a section, it's, it's like a catch-all section. I think the, it actually starts with the word like awards, certificates. It's also where you put work experience and volunteer experience. But in there, there is a section that covers certificates or credentials or something. Definitely put it in there as well, because that looks really good for a program that is preparing you to take a standardized exam. If you have the NDTR credential, it means that at one point in time, you passed a very similar standardized exam. It doesn't guarantee that you'll pass the RD exam. I'm not going to that expectation out there but it tells the program like 
this person has studied for a standardized exam. They've taken one. It's, it's administered by the same organization that administers the RD exam, which your internship is going to be preparing you for. And internships want to make sure that they are setting students up for success to pass that exam to become dietitians. <laughs> whole internship situation that they don't want to set you up to be like, well, we don't actually know if you're going to be ready for the exam, but we'll take your money. You know, they want to make exactly people who are going to achieve their goals. They want to help you achieve your goals. They want to see you succeed. So not that people who don't have the NDTR are looked on as less than or anything, but that can be a really good thing to put on your application, include it on your resume. Even if you don't have a job um, position that has specifically used that NDTR, that's totally fine. But it shows again, mm -hmm. you've studied, you prepared, you passed, you kind of you you've kind of been through it before. So that can look really good on the application. Okay. There you have it. If you have the NDTR credential or really any credential for that matter, don't be afraid to shout all about it on your DICUS application. That is just one way you can make sure that you will stand out from the others. Work and volunteer experience comes up a lot on these brainstorm calls. Students start wondering where to look for experience. They wonder if one type or another will quote unquote count enough to be worth putting on their application. Or they wonder how to mention something on their resume, in the experience section, or in their personal statement. Do you put it in one of those? Do you mention it in all three? How does this even work? In this next answer, you will hear that we covered a little bit of all of these questions. This student had a lot of different types of experience and wanted to make sure she knew how to highlight the most important aspects of each role she had held. Even just chatting about how to document your positions can help you see it all in a new light. Some programs like to see that you've got a little bit of variety, that you're like, I've seen the community side of things. I've seen some patient relations side of things. Um, mm -hmm. So I think a lot of those, like you said, they're very clearly dietetics related. Um, but what you want to mm -hmm. focus on is what you did interacting with patients because every dietitian, mm -hmm. they're going to interact with people, whether they're considered a patient or a client. So if you can talk about, yeah. you know, learn, even if you looked at patient records, um, you know, because that yeah. is a big part in clinical. If you helped with billing at all, that's really big. Yeah. Um, so those, are, I mean, those are the sorts of things you can say, I learned this in a chiropractic office, but I know it comes into play in dietetics and having this experience from this related field is going to help me there. So those are the dietetic skills to, you know, focus on and be able to pull out from your experiences. Okay, great. So if you've helped put together any materials or, you know, assisted, I, I have no idea what you've actually done, I'm making stuff up here, but, you know, if you've assisted with classes or putting together materials or, um, you know, like I said, recording information or transcripting into patient charts, anything like that, all of that will be really helpful. Um, I just thought of this, another thing to look at when you're looking at programs as you're doing your research, um, See if any of them have our requirements for your experience. Some do, some don't. Some are like, tell us about your experience. And some are like, we're really looking for X number of hours of experience, regardless of where it came yeah. from. So that's something to just be aware of so you know what they're looking for, what the criteria is. And if it's not posted and you're not sure, you can mm -hmm. ask the program. And then if you've got specific experiences, you know, throw that into your personal statement so you can describe it a little bit more. 
Um, mm -hmm. That's a great way to tie everything together. Another thing, sorry, okay. I'm saying things as I think of them, so I hope this comes together. Um, but when you're, and you didn't mention you're doing this, but I see students doing this. When you're putting stuff on, especially the work volunteer experience in the DICUS application, don't leave mm -hmm. something out just because you're not sure if the program will count it. Because if you mm -hmm. leave it out, if you're like, oh, I don't really know if that role has anything to do with anything at all. If you leave it out, then the mm -hmm. program absolutely cannot count it. But if you put mm -hmm. it in, the program might be able to say, you know what? I mean, this is even what mm -hmm. we say in my program. We say this role, there are certain aspects that we think do count. We're not going to count all of the hours she put for this role, but we're going to count some of them. But I couldn't mm -hmm. do that if, if like the applicant decided, you know what, I decided that this is not dietetics related at all, so I'm not even going to put it on the application. Most, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think there's a single program that's going to be like, you put that you worked at Target, and not only are we not going to count those hours, we're disqualifying you. Like, mm -hmm. if there's a program out there that's doing that, they should not be in business. So yeah. the moral of the story is if you put it on the application, then you let the program decide whether or not to count it. And again, I know you said you weren't thinking about doing that, but it just popped into my head. So I want to make sure that okay. you get that tidbit. For those who are asking similar questions along these lines, I do have a podcast episode about this. It's actually the very first podcast episode, and it's called, Do You Have the air quotes, right, experience. In that episode, I talk more about how to make sure you maximize the roles you've held, whether or not they're specifically dietetics related. So go ahead and check that out if you're wondering along these same lines. In a survey I recently held, 100% of the respondents stated that they looked for some type of help with their personal statement. 100%. Yes, that personal statement is... It can feel like a bit of a doozy. I talk about personal statements a lot on brainstorm calls as well. One really good suggestion you'll hear from all sorts of places is to tailor your personal statement to the program that you're sending it to. That's what this student was asking about. In this answer, I gave her some suggestions on how to do that and mentioned how the personal statement course, which this student had actually just purchased before our brainstorm call, how the course would help her with writing her entire personal statement as well. With very few exceptions, those programs are all gonna say, answer these questions, they're the same in DICUS. Some programs might add a question or two to that list, but I don't think there's very many programs out there that have their own complete different set of questions. So it's nice to start with those kind of five core questions that are in DICUS, and then you can make adjustments from there. So the way I like to think about it is you're going to write your shabby first draft first. This is going to come out in the works or in the course that you're going to get. The first step is writing your shabby first draft. And that's basically get everything out on the page. And we're not worried about word count. This is where you could write about every single experience you possibly want to write about, even if that takes you way over word count. And then when you start looking at each individual program and you're saying, I want to tailor this statement to that program, I want it to, you know, show that I have experience that's related to their area of emphasis. So then I'm going to look back at, you know, let's say you described seven experiences. I'm going to go back and say, okay, these, you know, there's four experiences that really aren't the same as the emphasis. So I'm going to take them out of this personal statement. And I'm going to talk about these two or three that are left. 
And then you look at the next program and you're like, okay, their emphasis is a little different. So I'm going to switch out these experiences. So I think it's nice to have a really good foundational statement and then you tweak it from there to make it specific for each program. And you don't have to lead, you don't have to write about every single experience that is in your DICUS application or on your resume. In the personal statement, that's a really good place to like pick, like I said, pick two or three that you can talk mm -hmm. about in more detail that, you know, show what you've learned, skills you gained, stuff that aligns with your own personal goals, stuff that aligns with the program emphasis and, you know, focus on that. And then you've, you've got, you know, 10 other experiences that are detailed in your DICUS application, and they can just be in the DICUS application. They don't also need to show up in your statement. As I mentioned, this student had just purchased the personal statement course, which starts with writing your shabby first draft, and then takes you all the way through making sure your entire personal statement is primed and ready for submission. The course also includes the personal statement sample pack, that way you can read through complete submission-ready personal statements and get more of my tips for writing your own. I've got a link to the personal statement course in the show notes if you want to check it out. This last student came to her call with a game plan in mind. She asked about ranking programs, which officially doesn't happen until after the application deadline. However, it's definitely worth thinking about long before that. My answer here gave her some suggestions of what to keep in mind even as she was just beginning to learn more about programs before she'd even decided where officially to apply to. It's important to know how information you get from programs will come into play when ranking time rolls around. One of the last things you do as an applicant is your official ranking. You can, there's always like, you can do whatever rearrangements you want up until like their deadline. Oh, okay. This Did not know that. But it's, okay. no, it's really good you're thinking about that, though, because if you're thinking about, you know, what information do I need to rank these programs, that can really right. help you, you know, critique or not critique, evaluate, I guess, like these are the interactions I've had with them. This is what I learned on their website. This is how I felt when I called and asked questions. This is what I heard from other people. So it's, it's like really good to go in with that mindset that eventually... I mean, you, you can apply to both of them, that's great, or you can add more, take away, whatever, but knowing what your preference is, what you think is the program that would be best for you is really important because at the end of the day, the algorithm, which is enormous and going through millions of numbers and possibilities, it will favor the applicant ranking over the program ranking. So it's gotcha. good to have that in mind. And I will, okay. I have a video where I talk about the ranking. I will send that to you. There you go. It never hurts to know about ranking early on in the process. I've got a link to the ranking example I mentioned, as well as the matching and algorithm webinar, which talks all about how to rank programs and how the algorithm will use your ranked program list to come up with the match results. Links to all of those are in the show notes. Those are just some examples of answers I have shared on brainstorm calls. Your brainstorm call will only cover what you need to know. It's an open conversation to help get you the information that will help you be more confident in the entire process and the application that you're putting together. You can schedule your own brainstorm call at applicationinsider.co slash brainstorm call, or just follow the link in the show notes. It'll take you right there. Any question that you need an answer to and that will help you with your application is a good question, so don't be afraid to ask. 
After your brainstorm call, I'll send you a summary of what we talked about and a private link to the recording. That way, you have any direct links we talked about, you can refer to our conversation as you work on your application, and you can check out what Application Insider has that might be a good fit for your own experience. Again, there is absolutely no pressure to buy, just information so you can make a decision that you will feel good about. The brainstorm call is a great way to kickstart your application. When you get a DI director's perspective from the very start, you get information and answers that you need right off the bat, you're gonna be so much better prepared to avoid any pitfalls as you continue moving forward and working on your own application. Your action step for this episode is to schedule your free 20 minute brainstorm call with me. Follow the link in the show notes to get your call on the calendar and get the answers you need. We can talk about whatever you want and I'll let you know how Application Insider can best help you. Then you can make the decision of what feels right for your own next step. This application process doesn't have to be confusing. I created Application Insider specifically so it wouldn't be. Use this resource to move forward with confidence and get on the right track to submit an application you are sure to be proud of. And with this Insider Insight, your application is sure to stand out. Thank you for listening. More details about this episode, including the full show notes, useful links, and a detailed summary are at applicationinsider.co slash podcast. You can find more application tips and guidance at applicationinsider.co or follow along on Instagram at applicationinsider. Please rate and review the Application Insider podcast to help other dietetic students find it. Be sure to subscribe to catch every episode.